Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship on this holy day. Just a couple announcements. Uh, offering is being taken at the back of the church. There's a box on the heater back there, so you may drop that off uh, on your way out if you haven't done so already. Uh, please wear your masks and manage social distancing as best you can. Our annual meeting is going to be on a Tuesday evening, May 24th at 7 p.m., just so you know. The reports, there's a few reports at the back that have been printed out. We're going to email out the reports later today, so you can keep an eye on your email. But if you don't have access to a printer, I think I've got 10 copies back there. Um, if, if we need more, we'll print more up for next week. But So help yourself if you need a printed copy. Um, next week, we're going to have a Mother's Day hymn sing here. So everyone is certainly welcome for that as we pull out some old hymns and sing together. That's all I have written down. Um, any other announcements to share? Donald, you've got one. Uh, trustees is going to be this Thursday at 7 o'clock here at the church. Yeah, so trustees here at 7, Thursday evening, please. Um, Paul Jane won't be able to make it, but we'll see what we can do. Um, any other announcements to share? Yes, Bev had a birthday this week, didn't she? You had a birthday. <laughs> Let's just take a moment then to silence our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. We like this candle. Remember, Jesus Christ, light of the world, walks with us each and every day. Let's join together in a responsive psalm this morning. All of you set upon me and batter me as though I were a tottering wall or a leaning fence. Their purpose is to cast me down from my enemies. They delight in lies. Their their Yet be still, my soul, and wait for God. Rest in God alone. Rest in God is my deliverance and my honor, the rock of my strength and the place of my refuge. Resting God alone, resting God alone, 
For we mortals are only a puff of wind. The great among us are but illusion. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on plunder. Once God has spoken, and twice have I heard it said, Power belongs to you, O God. Steadfast love is yours. Rest in God alone. Rest in God alone, my soul, my soul. Let us join together in prayer. Lord God, we continue to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, as we worship this day. Help us to notice you are in our midst today and every day. Amen. Our opening hymn is, We Praise You, O God. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had an evil spirit that enabled her to predict the future. 
She earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They announce to you how you can be saved. <clears throat> she did this for many days, until Paul became so upset that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I order you to come out of her. The spirit went out of her that very moment. When her owners realized that their chance of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the authorities in the public square. They brought them before the Roman officials and said, These men are Jews. They are causing trouble in our city. They are teaching customs that are against our law. We are Roman citizens, and we cannot accept these customs or practice them. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Then the officials tore the clothes off Paul and Silas and ordered them to be whipped. After a severe beating, they were thrown into jail, <clears throat> and the jailer who had, and the jailer was ordered to lock them up tight. Upon receiving this order, the jailer threw them into the inner cell and fastened their feet between heavy blocks of wood. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake which shook the prison to its foundations. At once, all the doors opened and the chains fell off the prisoners. The jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open. He thought that the prisoners had escaped, so he pulled out his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted at the top of his voice, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for a light and rushed in and fell trembling at the feet of Paul and Silas. Then he led them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your family. Then they preached the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At the very hour of the night, the soldier took them and washed their wounds, and he and all his family were baptized at once. Then he took Paul and Silas up into his house and gave them some food to eat. He and his family were filled with joy because they now came to believe in God. The word of the Lord.
choir wants to thank Fonda for making our masks for us so we've got some room to breathe when we sing. So thank you very much. Let us pray. Lord, we, we gather this day knowing of your goodness in our lives, knowing that we can walk with you. And so, Lord, as we continue to gather around your word, may you speak to our hearts this day. May we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And may our hearts be tuned to you, you who are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Now, the role of the church has changed a lot over the last few decades. Going back 20 years or more, I'd, I'd guess. There was a time when the church would be consulted on any number of issues in a community. You could find clergy at town council meetings, or you could find them in schools, they would be invited to important community events, and so on and so on. But now those invitations are, are few and far between. Now it seems on some days the church is an afterthought. I know clergy colleagues have shared stories of entire weddings being planned. The caterer, the photographer, the DJ, the hall, everything booked for a particular day. Everything that is except the church and the minister. And some, in some instances when they finally did call the church to see about booking the wedding date, they would find out that either the church or the minister would be not available. And what a mess that tended to create. People don't always think about the church, but they do seem to expect it to be available when they need it, which, like many things in life, cannot always be accommodated. There have also been times when I've been invited to speak or pray at, at an event only to have it canceled, but no one told me. I've actually showed up with papers in hand ready to speak at a venue to find it completely empty. No one there except me. It wasn't that long ago that the reason clergy served on boards for various organizations and the schools was to fulfill a spiritual role, to offer prayer and wisdom from a faith-based perspective. And that's not the case any longer. I sit on a number of boards where I am the clergy representative for the North Side, and I'm not, I'm honestly, don't, I'm not sure why I'm there. And I'm not sure that the organization knows why I'm there either, except that they realize that their bylaws say there must be a clergy member present. So there I be, even though none of us are terribly sure why I'm there. The church was a central gathering place in the community, a place where wisdom and guidance was sought, and that has fallen to the wayside. And the church is even seen as an inconvenience rather than a helper at times. Does anyone remember the little tussle the Legion got into with a local school a few years ago around prayer and the remembrance service? And it wasn't because the Legion values prayer, to be honest. Very few Legion members actually go to church. It's that for the Legion, it was a big part of their tradition. They see prayer as part of that tradition, and tradition is big for the Legion. It is the way that they uphold the memories of their comrades who have passed, especially those who lost their lives in war. 
The school, on the other hand, was just trying to respect the diversity of its student body and saw prayer as a possible offense to some. Either way, the church was not invited into the discussion as we were seen irrelevant, irrelevant to the priorities of the two organizations, even though the debate was around prayer. Now, I did end up talking with both parties, but it was more or less after the event, after, after the decision had been made, after things were settled. I spent my time mostly trying to keep peace between the Legion and the new administration at the school, and I think we managed to work it out. The church doesn't seem to be seen as important anymore. Sure, people say the church is important. I hear that said by a lot of people uh, in my travels, but the sentiment is not reflected in our weekly attendance. If everyone who had ever told me that they're going to start coming back to church ever actually started coming back to church, you'd have to be here a lot earlier on a Sunday morning to get your preferred seats. Now, a lot of us, we can actually blame on ourselves if we're perfectly honest. 60, 70 years ago, we got pretty comfortable. The place was full. The church was full. Bible studies were full. Prayer meetings were full. The church was a, a hub of activity, buzzing seven days a week. But the but in the 60s and 70s, society began to change. In the church, we rested in our traditions. And slowly, ever so slowly, attendance began to drop. And before we realized we had a problem, it was too late. But I have to ask, is it ever really, truly too late? Paul and Silas were in the region of Macedonia, and they were visiting a Roman city called Philippi. They preached, they grew the church where they were, they made a number of key conversions in their travels. And one day, as we read in our reading today, they, they passed a slave girl who was known for having a spirit of divination. That is an evil spirit that allowed her to see things other people couldn't see. And her masters used her as a steady stream of income for, for, them, for themselves, not for her own self. As Paul and Silas walked by, they saw something, she saw something within them, and she began to follow them, which is not abnormal for that time. Paul and Silas would have had people following them, not unlike Jesus did. They wanted to learn from them, they wanted to see them and be healed, and all those things that Jesus did, Paul and Silas were doing, so it would have had their own followers. But this woman, as she followed them, she was rather, what I'll say, persistent, the spirit within her kept causing her to call out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she shouted this out again and again and again and again, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think you see where we're going with this. After about three or four days of this, Paul was getting a little upset. What we might have been seen as good publicity early on like a walking billboard traveling with them, became a nuisance. And instead of drawing people to Paul and Silas, this woman may have started to push people away with her constant, constant shouting. Now, Paul can have moments where he's a bit impulsive when things get to him. And so he turns to the girl, he's fed up with her constant chanting and shouting, and he casts out that evil spirit within her, and she stops. 
But along with casting out that spirit, she loses her ability to see the future. She's a, she loses her ability to make money for her masters. And that's a problem. It's a problem for the masters. Now you think that the, this was set her free from her handlers, her master, but does it? In a slave-driven society such as the Roman Empire, is a former slave who was seen as useless to her master free when she is released? Sadly, no. The master had a couple of options at his disposal. He could have turned her into a prostitute to continue making money off of her. He could have cast her aside to fend for herself. But then that would still be nearly impossible. She's still a former slave seen as useless in this society. At least if she had been able to stay with her master, she may have been able to be taken care of a little bit. In reality, Paul did her no favor And we have no idea what happens to this young woman. She is lost in the pages of Scripture. Did she continue to follow Paul? We don't know. Was she cast out into the street? We don't know. But what we do hope is that the good Lord has taken care of her. And back to the master, he is not pleased with Paul and Silas. And he takes them for the rulers of the city, which just so happens to be in the commercial marketplace, the place of trade, the place of making profit. Now notice in the accusation that the the master does not accuse uh, Paul and Silas for making him lose money. That's not the case. His accusation reads like this, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Now, before Paul and Silas encountered this woman, they really had no problems with what Paul and Silas were doing. They were preaching, they were converting people, they were praying. But as soon as it impacted their profit line, they had a problem. Yet they don't mention that at all. They accuse them of preaching and converting people to Christianity. For this so-called crime, Paul and Silas are stripped and beaten with robs, or with rods and whips. And after this, they are thrown into prison with chains and blocks around their ankles. Now, Paul's not known for being shy about his faith. So Paul and Silas take their time in prison as an opportunity. And while they're in there, they sing psalms of praise. They pray all the time. Now, this prison is not like a prison we would picture today. It's really just a house that's been converted into a bunch of cells. So everyone in there can hear one another pretty clearly. And so no doubt the other prisoners are listening. They're joining in. They are believing. And late at night, while they are still praying, while they're still singing, an earthquake comes and shakes the foundation of the prison so much that the doors fly open of the cells and the blocks fall off their feet. Everyone is free. But they didn't move. Everyone remains in their cell, and it's dark. And the earthquake wakes up the guard, the prison guard, and he sees the doors flung open, and he's, he's afraid. 
He grabs the sword and prepares to end his own life because of his failure as a guard. And he's going to end his own life before the Romans can lay hold of him. But Paul calls out in the darkness. He says, do not harm yourself for we are all still here. And sure enough, torches are brought in and the guard sees that while the doors are open, while the chains have been set free, all the prisoners are still in their cells. And he goes to Paul and Silas and he begs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response is simple. He says, believe. Believe. The the prison guard takes Paul and Silas to his home and he and his whole family are baptized and saved and receive the, the Holy Spirit, the joy of God in their lives. Now what is interesting is what brought about all of this. Paul cast a demonic spirit out of a young woman who had become quite an annoyance. And because her master couldn't handle losing his profit, his money, he accused them of promoting a way of life that is not acceptable to Rome. They are essentially being accused of being Christian. And because they are promoting a Christian way of life, they are badly beaten and thrown in jail. The church at that point in history is not welcome. Now sure, they can go off and do whatever they want in secret. They can pray in homes. They can do all that. Just stay out of the public square. Don't dare do it in public. Don't dare impact the lives of ordinary citizens. Don't you dare affect their livelihood. The church in that moment was seen as a threat to the way of life of people in the city. So they were punished for it. There's no place for the church in the public square of Philippi. I feel like some days we're not that far off from the church in that moment, in those days. It feels like we're not welcome in the public square anymore. We're not welcome in as many places as we used to be. We are invited to pray and take part when it's convenient and where, dict- where tradition dictates it to be appropriate, just as long as no one is offended. But we also have a role in this. We temper our language around salvation. We don't speak of Jesus as the way and the truth and the life and the way to the Father because someone might be offended by our words. And I'm okay with this to a point, Because offending people is not a good church growth strategy. There's coloring sheets at the back of the church there. Yep. And some crayons, I think, too. Yep. Offending people is not a good church growth strategy. In the church today, we are at no risk of being attacked or thrown in jail for our beliefs. We still manage to hold on to a certain amount of free speech to to a degree, although some of it has been taken away from us. But in in my opinion, some of what's been taken away from us is healthier, the stuff we needed to let go of anyway. I have evangelical colleagues in other denominations who say they fear the government is trying to shut down the church. They are slowly introducing laws to the purpose of silencing Christians. I'm not in total disagreement with them. 
but I do believe they're reading far too much into what's happening than needs to be. They're taking it too far. But again, we've done ourselves a bit of disservice. In many parts of the church, people have chosen to fight, to fight against the changes in society. In most recent instances, I have seen clergy at anti-vax and anti-mandate rallies, even here in Sydney. I've heard clergy talk about how these laws are going to kill the church and they're going to fight it tooth and nail to the very end. Being a Christian is not about fighting. Now, we may disagree with a lot of what's happening in the world, but we don't have the market on that. There's a lot of people who are unhappy with how the world is, is going right now, not just Christians. But we don't fight. Jesus didn't fight. After being thrown in jail, after being beaten and, and thrown in jail, Paul and Silas didn't fight. What did they do? They sang about their faith. They prayed. And when they were set free, they didn't even run. They stayed. They stayed and they loved the guard. They loved his family. And what happened? They believed. The model Jesus laid out for us is to love those around us. Paul and Silas loved the other prisoners. They loved the guard. They loved his family. They were also not afraid of being out in the public square. Just as Jesus was not afraid to be out in public to do the work he was doing. If the church wants to be seen, if it wants to be known as a positive member of society, as a positive movement in the world, the church needs to get back into the public square, but not as a fighter. We need to be known as lovers. We need to be willing to meet people where they are in their lives and love them as God loves us. Last week we looked at Paul's conversion, where he shed and left behind his life as Saul in a powerful moment in the middle of the road on his way to destroy the church in Damascus. We saw how Saul waited for Ananias to arrive and pray with him as God told him he would. And how Ananias took that huge risk to go in to see Saul and pray with him so that he could receive his sight because he had been blinded and also to receive the Holy Spirit. This week, that same man, Paul, extends the love he received from the church. He extends it to the guard, to the guard's family in a moment when he had every right to be angry after being beaten and thrown in jail. He had every right to be vengeful about what the Romans had done to him and Silas the day before. But that's not the way. That's not the new life Christ had put in Paul's heart. That fighter of Saul became Paul, a lover. Paul knew that in order to do the work of Christ in the world, he had to be out in public. He had to be out there preaching. He had to be out there loving people so they, might not, so they might come to know the Lord in their own lives. This is the way of life for people who follow Jesus, who walk in his way. We are people who are proclaimers of God's love, no matter our disagreement with what is happening in the world around us. 
No matter how we feel the church is under persecution, which we are not, at least not yet, we are still to be known as lovers. We are a people of love who offer hope and healing to a world in desperate need of both right now. And we are ever thankful for what Jesus has done in our lives as people of his way. May we look at Paul and Silas and learn from them. Who, those who follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior out into the public square, who are willing to cast out demons, to offer healing, to even go to prison so that others will know of God's love on their own. They offer love. The same love that we receive from God today as he loves us now and forever. Amen. Let us sing together, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship, this time of learning from your apostle Paul, from his friend Silas, from ones who built the church far and wide as he traveled the land as he walked into cities, as he offered your love to all he met. Lord, Paul walked through, traveling, uh, through, through dangerous times in the church, 
yet he gave his whole heart, his whole life, in service to you as he followed Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord, we come seeking to follow your Son, Jesus Christ. We come as people of your way, seeking peace and hope in our own lives, seeking to be lovers instead of fighters in a world that seems determined to fight amongst itself. Lord, we pray for places of conflict. We pray for peace in Ukraine. We pray for peace in the Russian hearts of those who attack an innocent people. We pray for those who, who flee from the devastation of war, both in Ukraine but in other parts of the world as well. Lord, the world is full of violence. And we pray for your peace to come. Lord, we pray for those who are mourning these days. For those who have lost loved ones in their lives. We pray for those who are sick and in need of healing. We pray for those who are waiting, waiting for surgeries, waiting for tests, waiting for doctor's appointments, and waiting with concern in their hearts. Lord, bring them healing. Bring them peace. Bring them comfort, O oh God. We pray for our society that has turned from the church. And Lord, we pray that we, as a church and as churches, have the courage to speak your name outside of these walls so that others will know of your love as we extend the love we receive out into our community, whatever that may look like. Lord, speak to our hearts. Give us direction. Show us the way to bring your love to Sydney Mines, to Florence, to North Sydney, to the entire north side, O oh God. For your way is the right way. Lord, now we lift up to you the prayers of our hearts this day. Lord, you hear our prayers. And in your love, we know you will answer. And so we wait on your direction. We wait for your answer, O oh God. This world is a complicated place. It is a place that, where you are still very much present, though. You are still very active in our world. So as we go about our days this week, O oh God, help us to notice where you are. Help us to notice that where you are inviting us to be, to serve and to love. 
We lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn today is All the Way My Savior Leads Me. My friends, may we know the God of love pours his love into our hearts through Jesus Christ. And that same love that God gives to us is to be shared. It is to be known widely within our world, just as Paul and Silas sought to share that same love with others they met on their way. Let us go in the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who walks with us each and every single day. Amen.